The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Balanced attack for the Hawkeyes so far. Stanley with time, looking fence direction. He's got him to the 10-yard line. He's finally roped down. And now Iowa is really in business. A.J. Allen saves the touchdown on a 43-yard gain. Nice little play action. Good pocket. One of the best throws that Nate Stanley has made. Again, he is one touchdown away from hauling in more touchdown passes than any other tight end in Iowa history. To the air. Into the flat. That's no offense. Touchdown, Iowa. That is a record-setting touchdown catch for Noah Fant, his 14th as a Hawkeye. That's the second time they've moved the pocket for Nate Stanley to give him an easy completion and build his confidence. Now, this is everything that Iowa fans wanted to see from their offense in the early going. Stanley and Fant in rhythm, and it's 7-0 Hawkeyes in the first quarter with an in-state rival in town. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast featuring Scott Docterman, who reflects on the Hawks' victory over UNI and previews this week's Iowa-Wisconsin game. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Wisconsin's Paul Christ. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which includes sports reporter Scott Docterman of The Athletic and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times, former Iowa kicker Ron Coluzzi, and our own Tyler Chemeland and Jack Bransgard. The Iowa UNI game highlights are courtesy of BTN with announcers Chris Vosters and Chuck Long. We very much appreciate it. And thank them. Sergeant stays in there, gets the carry. This is this power running game right here with Brady Ross leading the way on the lead block, the fullback, and then it's all Makai Sargent after that. Sargent's second touchdown of the season. Less than a minute into the second quarter. Iowa up by two scores. Feeling good after the wave. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. The Iowa Hawkeyes hosted the Wisconsin Badgers this Saturday in what many believe will be the de facto Big Ten West title game. At a minimum, it will certainly put the winner in the prime position for playing in the Big Ten title game in Indianapolis. This will be the Big Ten season opener for both of these teams, and oh yeah, the Heartland Trophy is also at stake. Kickoff is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. Central Daylight Time. That will be the latest start for an Iowa football game in Kinnick Stadium history. Iowa comes into this game 3-0, completing an unblemished non-conference season last Saturday when it defeated Northern Iowa 38-14 at Kinnick. The Hawkeyes have also topped Northern Illinois and Iowa State. 
Wisconsin is 2-1 after non-conference action, losing to BYU at Camp Randall Stadium last Saturday after earlier wins over Western Kentucky and New Mexico. Those two games were also played in Madison. The Badgers were the overwhelming preseason favorite to repeat as Big Ten West champions. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is the winningest coach in Iowa football history. He's also the dean of college football coaches. Ferentz is 158 and 118 overall as a head coach, 146 and 97 in his 20 years at Iowa. His 146 wins rank fifth in Big Ten history, while his 86 conference wins rank sixth. Wisconsin head coach Paul Christ is 55 and 27 overall in seven years and 36 and three in his four years as head man of the Badgers. His team is 14 and one in true road games, including the last nine straight. Iowa is not ranked, but receiving votes in major polls. Wisconsin is 18th in the Associated Press poll and 16th in the coaches' rankings. Since the Big Ten Conference realigned into the East and West divisions, the winner of the Iowa-Wisconsin game has been the Big Ten West champion and played in the conference championship game every year. This will be Iowa's second trophy game of the season. The Hawkeyes retained the Cy Hawk trophy with their win over Iowa State, and they will later play to retain Floyd of Rosedale versus Minnesota and the Heroes Trophy versus Nebraska. The Heartland Trophy is the only one of the four that Iowa does not currently hold. The Hawkeyes are 11-2 in their last 13 trophy games, both of those losses coming to the Badgers. Wisconsin has won 17 of their last 18 rivalry games, the only loss coming to Iowa in 2015. Saturday is the 92nd meeting between these two schools. Wisconsin leads the series 46-43 and two. Iowa is 24-19-1 all-time in games played in Iowa City, but the Badgers have won the last four meetings at Kinnick Stadium. Iowa's last win in Iowa City was 38-16 in 2008. The Badgers have won seven of their last ten meetings with Iowa. The visiting team has won six of the last seven games. Last year in Madison, the Hawkeyes lost 38-14 as a result of a dismal offensive performance, which came right after Iowa's stunning victory in Iowa City over Ohio State. Wisconsin is 12-7 against Iowa since 1997. Prior to that, however, the Badgers were 0-17-1 against the Hawkeyes under then-head coach Hayden Fry. Wisconsin has also won 15 straight Big Ten regular season games. Last year, it racked up 13 Big Ten wins. Its five appearances in the conference title game are the most of any Power Five school in their respective conferences. The Badgers have also won four straight bowl games. There are all kinds of interesting and critical stats to talk about in this game. Scott Docterman and I will do that in the Reporter's Notebook feature in a few minutes. But here are some to keep in mind. Iowa's defense has been dominant in its first three games. 12 sacks, that's second in the Big Ten and third nationally. A.J. Epinesa has four of those. That's as many as the entire Wisconsin team has to date. And he's tied for the Big Ten lead and fourth in the FBS. Iowa is first in the conference and second nationally in total defense, second in the Big Ten and NCAA in rushing defense. They've allowed just 25 rushing yards in their last two games, and first in the Big Ten and second in the FBS in scoring defense. 
Iowa quarterback Nate Stanley has thrown three touchdown passes so far this season and is just one shy of tying Brad Banks for 10th all-time in program history. Stanley is 11-5 as Iowa's starter and 8-2 and in games played at Kinnick. One of Stanley's TD passes last week was to tight end Noah Fant, the 14th of Fant's career, more than any tight end in Iowa history, and tying for 9th in TD receptions all-time in program history. Wisconsin's star running back Jonathan Taylor is the nation's second leading rusher. He's averaging 172 yards per game, but was held to 117 yards last week against BYU after rushing for a season high and career best 253 yards and three TDs the week prior versus New Mexico. Taylor leads all active FBS players in rushing yards per game at 146.6 and is a top contender for the Heisman Trophy. Last year against Iowa, he rushed 29 times for 157 yards. On defense, the Badgers are allowing just 13.7 points per game, but they did surrender an uncharacteristic 191 rushing yards versus BYU last week in Madison. Depth chart notes, well, there's good news for the Hawkeyes on the injury front. Barring any midweek setbacks, Iowa gets three starters back on offense. Running back Ivory Kelly Martin, wide receiver Emir Smith-Marset, and right guard Cole Banwart. The Badgers come into Kinnick Stadium limping a bit as one of their starting tight ends, Xander Newville, is listed as doubtful while the other is out. Their right guard will also miss this game, and their star linebacker, Andrew Van Ginkle, is doubtful. Tidbits and This game is a black and gold game for Iowa, so check the Iowa website for what you're supposed to wear, depending on where you sit. And it's the third consecutive sellout at Kinnick Stadium. An Iowa win Saturday would result in the fifth 4-0 season start under head coach Kirk Ferentz. The Hawkeyes have won five of their last six Big Ten openers, the only loss coming in the last seconds to Penn State last season. This game will be televised to another national audience on Fox with announcers Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. That should be a real treat for viewers. As usual, the game will be broadcast on the Hawkeye Radio Network with Gary Dolphin, Ed Podolak, and Rob Brooks. It will also be available on XM Channel 83 and Sirius Channel 83. This is also the eighth annual ANF game, and former Hawkeye star Aaron Campman will be honored accordingly. The Heartland Trophy isn't the only one at stake this week. The Iowa and Wisconsin team managers will face off Friday night in the annual battle for the Rusty Toolbox. The all-time series is tied at 11 apiece, but Wisconsin is riding a seven-game winning streak. And Iowa's 1958 team will be honored Saturday as it returns to Kinnick Stadium to celebrate its 60th anniversary. The Hawkeyes were Big Ten champs then, and they defeated Cal in the Rose Bowl. They were voted national champions by the Football Writers Association and also awarded the Grantland Rice National Championship trophy. Great story. Compelling and rich. First down and 10. Flipped up. Stanley to throw the ball. Nick Easley had 51 catches last season and four receiving touchdowns. They were waiting for him to have a breakout game in 2018. He's delivering tonight. 31 nothing.
Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz, who provides his overall assessment of Wisconsin football. The foundation of their ball club, their offensive line is not only big, but they're outstanding. They're very uh, veteran, very, very skilled, very adept at what they do. They play well together, a uh, very cohesive group. We just played an outstanding run back two weeks ago. I mentioned he might be the, the best in the country, and if he's not, it might be the one we're playing this week. Uh, you know, This guy is just a tremendous football player, too, so it's, it's really unusual when you play two guys of this caliber within a two-week span, but that, that's what we're facing right now. Uh, they're not the same exact runner, but they're both, uh, I can't imagine many guys in the country better than either of these guys, and you know, we, we uh, witnessed this, uh, uh, how good uh, Taylor is firsthand last year as well, so he's really a great player. Uh, the quarterback's really played well for him. Uh, certainly, I think, you know, to me, he was the, uh, the glue guy, the leader of their football team last year, the guy that uh, led them to a great season. He's throwing the ball effectively and efficiently. He's over 60% throwing, and I think one thing, they're, they're receiver core just in general has really done a good job uh, they've they've uh, continually gotten better over the last couple of years and got a very strong group of receivers and then uh, the young tight end uh, has played extremely well he had a great game Saturday and he looks to be a very very comfortable target for the quarterback so uh, they're very very multiple and very diverse uh, balance on offense uh, defensively they've been good for a long time and this is no exception they're uh, under 14 points a game uh, under 300 yards well under 300 yards given up and uh, just a very very strong aggressive defense and you don't like what we're typical uh, or used to seeing at least typical of Wisconsin football and special teams are very veteran good core players a lot of young guys playing on their core teams but uh, those guys are doing a great job and they're veterans with their veteran with their specialists so you know they're just a very balanced uh, talented football team and a team that knows how to win what it takes to win and uh, they certainly believe in each other so you know it's going to be a big big challenge for us. Ference was asked if he has to remind his team of the high stakes in this game and for the Big Ten West. Every game's important uh, they all count on your resume and they all count at the end of the year but anybody plays in a conference which is just about everybody now I think conference games do take special significance but the bottom line it's one out of nine and uh, you know they're, they're all really important they're all equally important but this is the one in front of us right now so it's a, it's a big game certainly and it's a trophy game you know there's no denying that so whether we win this game or lose the game it's still going to be you know still got eight more weeks of football left no matter what happens and uh, we'll deal with it on either side but yeah, it's a long season but it, this is a big game it's a conference game. Fair Ferenc opines on why Wisconsin's multiple defenses have been so successful in recent seasons versus Iowa's offense. You know, it's interesting to me. They, they switch their systems uh, defensively. What, what it's been four or five years now, six years, I can't remember, uh, five, I guess. Whenever Coach Anderson went there, they shifted their, their uh, scheme. The, the interesting part to me, I mean, any, any good defense, no matter what your odd scheme, even scheme, there, there are certain things you do well. Uh, what amazed me was the transition, how easily uh, they transitioned. I was a little curious about how that was going to go. That was impressive. They transitioned uh, almost seamlessly. And then more impressive to me, it was a pretty veteran team. A year later, they, they lost a ton of guys. We were playing them about this time of the year, I think fourth, fifth game. And they were better statistically than they had been with a veteran group the year before. And that, that really caught my attention too. But I, th- I think what it what it explains is they just, they have a certain temperament they play with. They're, they're you know, a team that plays with excellent technique. They, they're uh, rarely out of place. And they, and they work hard to the ball. Everybody on that team works hard to the ball. So as a result, they've, they've been really good at, uh, you know, points a lot. They've been really good at that over the last at least five years. They've been longer than that. Probably the last five years, they've been really good there. And, you know, so one thing we know going in, points are going to be tough to come by. And it's, it's kind of been the way it is in the series. I think the good news is in this series, we kind of know who they are. And I think they know who we are. So that's the good news. The bad news is we know who they are. And uh, they give up, you know, 12 points a game or 10 points a game. So that, that's a challenge. And uh, typically good teams, uh, actually, oh, let me rephrase that. 
probably the thing that's significant here is that like they've had a, a philosophy in place, they've had a staff that's been in place, and that's that's true of a couple of our the the opponents that we play. But it's it's amazingly uncommon, you know, in college football. It just seems like you know every three years you're, you're looking at a new menu there when you when you face somebody. Uh, but in the case of Wisconsin, like they they've got DNA that's been pretty consistent, and you know a couple other teams in our conference the same way. So at least from a preparation standpoint, uh, when we look at film, we can say okay, this is what we probably can expect. Now the challenge is how how do you crack the safe? I mean, it's hard because these guys are, are really good at what they do. And Kirk talks about Big Ten realignment into the East and West divisions and how tough it is to win week in and week out for most teams in college football. You know, when you go through expansion, you know, I'm, I'm not providing any, any commentary other than when you go through expansion, it's hard to make everything work, you know, and that's what we were going through. Me personally, my personal preference is for, for geographic uh, matchups. I think it just makes sense from the fan standpoint. It just, it makes sense on every level in my mind. And, uh, you know, because trends come and go and all this and that. And it's I'm just saying in college football, like things change every day. And last Saturday is a great example. You know, teams, teams that aren't supposed to win can win. So, you know, every game is, is tough. It's challenging. And uh, the challenge for coaches is to make sure players understand that, that every week you go out there, if you're not ready, you know, you're, you're going to get humbled. And that's a great thing about football, I think, you know, and it's, you know, there was a time where that wasn't always the case, where there are certain teams right now, maybe that they, they don't have to be as prepared but you know in our case like that's that's what it is no matter who we're playing we need to be ready to go or it's, it's gonna be a tough day and we've, we've had a few of those and those aren't fun <laughs> Visit HawkeyesMike.com and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Medium and Twitter. Next, we hear from Wisconsin head coach Paul Christ, who characterizes this year's Iowa team. I mean, every time you know, I think back, and, and um, they're always a heck of a heck of a game and heck of a test and first one back it was 15 and you know um, we had five turnovers and and a great defensive game you know and they're always what's fun about playing Iowa and really I think what's neat about the game of football is you earn everything that you get and nothing will be given to you and 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 that's uh, it's a pretty, pretty neat way to play this game. And uh, it's going to take everyone. It's going to take all units. And it's, uh, you know, when you play a good team, when you play any team, it's, it's never easy. And you've got to, you got to be on point. And, and um, that, that's why it's a, it, those are fun games to be in. And you got to be ready for them. Chris was asked how much added pressure comes about due to the fact that the winner of this game has gone to the Big Ten title game every year since the East-West divisions were established in the conference. I think every time you play, you know, there's there's things at stake, and you know what's at stake is the opportunity of that day. And you know, I think that when you've got good football teams, that makes for good rivalries. And I think all that's a byproduct of it, though. You know, I mean that this this game is about this week and, and us getting a chance to play a really good Iowa team at Iowa and, and then you play the whole season but this is just about this week our team against our team. 
Christ reflected on his team's loss to BYU last week, and he discusses the importance of emotion versus execution in the game of college football. I mean, emotion is a part of the game, and we talk about it all the time. You've got there's momentum swings caused by plays being made or not being made that affects emotion of the game, and yet I think that really comes down to playing good football, and when you get the opportunity. And you don't know. That's what you talk about all the time. You hear about it all the time. That you know those five, six, seven, eight plays, whatever that is, in a game that you look back and those become very significant. They become part of probably yours and everyone's narrative. And what's awesome when you're playing the games, you don't know when those plays are going to come. And it's really not until the the story unfolds, the game unfolds, that you look back and say that was one of those plays. And therefore, you just you know you got to play it each play and and be into it. And and I think that. That that is a byproduct of it. I think our guys came out and and were, were ready to play and had opportunities for plays and and you know a little bit here, a little bit there. You, when you made them, that's a big play. They're ready, and if you don't, you know I don't think necessarily that you weren't ready. It's just you didn't make that play. Christ was asked to assess Iowa's defense through the Hawkeyes' first three games. They have they they have played really really well, and uh, I think. You know, like any good defense, you you're gonna start up front, and they've got you know a really good defensive front and and making plays, and the, and the you know we're just going through it right now and, and talking to our kids, the linebackers. You know, maybe they don't have as many starts, but you watch them and they know what they're doing and they trust themselves and they're really good football players. So you know, up front they're doing a really good job, and in the back end they've all played. So I think there's guys that have played and playing with confidence. Obviously, it's a it's a really well coached defense and and. Really reason I think you can say that is because players know what they're doing and again they're not going to give you anything you've got to earn every every bit of it and, and they have enough change-ups that you've got to be on point so I think they're I, I think they are playing really good defense and it'll be a good challenge for us. And Paul Christ talks about Iowa's offense. You know Nate is playing really well and I think they've got both what they do and, and how they do it. I think across the board they're playing I think they're playing really good I think it's like their defense and you can't hone in too much on on one area or the other you got to play good sound defense against them and and yet I think that you know when it's contested it's not like they can make plays and and they can create some things in the run game I, I like it's a good again it's a every week's a little bit different this offense is is different than anything we've faced but but I think they're they're playing well we've got to play well to give ourselves a chance out of the eye formation, Sargent slips through, end zone, his second touchdown scamper of the ball game. Iowa goes up three scores. Nothing fancy, Chris, just eye formation football. That's simple, old school, fullback lead football. Iowa's offense has showed up under the lights at Kinnick Stadium. 21-0, halftime just around the corner. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. You 
You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319-848-4191 or toll free at 1-800-383-7663. Time now for our weekly reporter's notebook feature this week with Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles online at theathletic.com slash team slash Iowa dash Hawkeyes. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott reflects on the win over UNI, and he previews the matchups in this Saturday's Wisconsin-Iowa game for the Heartland Trophy. Plus, we talk some Big Ten. We welcome Scott Docterman back for our reporter's notebook feature this week. It's certainly the biggest game of the year so far for the Iowa Hawkeyes and in many ways the perhaps the de facto Big Ten West championship game. But before we start talking that, Scott, let's reflect on Iowa's big uh, win over UNI last Saturday at Kinnick and the offense finally got uncorked a bit. It was nice to see from Iowa's perspective that the passing game had some, you know, uh, some consistency to it. I mean, Nate Stanley went 23 of 20 got over the 300 yard barrier which was good um, you know got you know overall 10 different receivers were involved uh, Nick Easley had more than 10 catches and you know Noah Fan had 99 yards uh, you know even Brandon Smith had a couple of catches I think it was good for everybody everybody needed that on the offense and then uh, you know overall it was a little bit more consistent effort on that side of the ball and then defensively for three quarters they played lights out I mean, you know holding you and I to six rushing yards I think was was quite a quite a feat so overall it, w- it was my expectation that Iowa would win decisively and they did and uh, you know it was also I think the you know what they'd hoped for was to have a good consistent effort and they had it one so now it's on to you know the biggest game of the year and really there's no second right now I think it's clearly this matchup this week turning to Iowa Wisconsin the Heartland Trophy is the only one that doesn't sit in Iowa's football performance center and Wisconsin in recent history has won all but one of those games and let's talk Right now, Iowa's offense versus Wisconsin's defense. This, Scott, is something you've discussed and written about and questioned Kirk and Brian Ferentz about quite often over the past year in particular since Iowa's offense was just overwhelmed last year up in Madison in that game. So just reflect on, I know you talk a lot about how critical it is for Iowa's offense to succeed against the Badgers with early down success and patience. You look at first down with Iowa against Wisconsin the last two years, and Iowa's had a a pretty nice go of things, really. I mean, you know, they ran 23 times for 105 yards. That's pretty good. I mean, especially against the Badgers. Badgers the last two years was was excellent on that side of the ball. Uh, passing game wise, uh, it was okay, but it was still ten a night for sixty nine yards. I think overall those are winning numbers on first down against an opponent like Wisconsin, where Iowa seemed to struggle in the in the past. Both Greg Davis and Brian Ferentz was on second down, and uh, you know the the numbers rushing wasn't so bad, fifteen of fifty two, but I think they got too cute too many times, and and I think that. That's probably what they need to do differently in the in the in the future, which is they need to be able to 
to be consistent on second down. And that may be in, instead of if it's second and six, go ahead and run the ball again. And I know people have screamed this, you know, they, they think this offense is more conservative than it needs to be, but it's important to do that. I don't think people realize, you know, they just look at it from an entertainment value, but in order to win, you need to keep your defense on the sidelines. And last year, Iowa only had the ball for 20 minutes, 66 yards, no third down conversions. It was a disaster on third down the last two years. Combined total of minus seven yards on third down. You're, you know, as I wrote, you know, sarcastically that you couldn't beat an egg with a whisk and a glass bowl if you, uh, with those kind of numbers. So what I think Iowa is going to do and what I think Iowa should do is be a little more diverse on first down. It's, uh, it, it paid off for them the last two years. When they were in three wide receivers, they ran the ball 12 times for 59 yards. That's, those are winning numbers. That's five yards a carry, roughly. And then passing the ball, they were effective, 7 to 12 for 49. But they've got to be able to do more of that when it comes to uh, you know third downs, uh, Be put them on their heels. And I think this year, when you look at Wisconsin's defense, this is not the same unit that they've put out there the last few years. I mean, you know, last week they gave up obviously 191 yards to the to BYU rushing, but also they've been they were gouged in the fourth quarter. You know, six and a half yards a carry. They've uh, they've only got three sacks this year after having 40 some odd sacks last year. So this is a uh, this is a unit that you know lost seven people and they haven't been able to adequately replace them. They've got great players at certain positions, but I just don't see this as quite the advantage as it was last year and the years past. So I think Iowa has a clear advantage in this department. They've also been hit by injuries on the defensive side of the ball, including one of their best outside linebackers, Van Ginkle, who is now listed as uh, questionable for Saturday's game. He is making the trip. They've got a terrific safety in Dakota Dixon. They have, uh, you know, four four of the best players in the league on defense. So this is not a unit that's just, you know, depleted completely. I mean, their inside backer duo of TJ Edwards and Ryan Connolly are as good as they come. And Dakota Dixon, as you mentioned, a strong safety. He was first team last year. I'd expect him to be first team this year. He's that good. And then, you know, I always screw up the pronunciation of all of Sagapolo, who is, you know, the nose tackle. He's not a guy that gets a lot of stats, but man, does he command a presence. He two gaps it like Iowa does except they use, you know, uh, mostly a hybrid 3-4. And uh, he ties up your blockers, and he's 350 pounds, but very athletic. So I think, uh, you know, in that inside trio is where the problems lie for Iowa or anybody else. And then, as you mentioned, Andrew Van Ginkle, you know, who grew up in Iowa. And Iowa was after, you know, heavily, but ultimately picked Wisconsin. I mean, I think he did the right move for him. He's more of a 3-4 outside linebacker, but... You know, if he can't go, that's a huge disadvantage for for the Badgers because he had last year as a backup. You know, he's almost like think of him as like an AJ Epineza. You know, had ten tackles for loss and six sacks. He had a I think a pick six against Ohio State in the championship game. So this is a uh, you know so, so this is still a formidable defense, but they have shown that the new guys on the outside on the defensive line and in the, the second level that uh, they they can be gouged if you call the right plays. And it's multiple, as you've also pointed out, 3-4 uh, technically, but they play a lot of 4-3 and mix it up, and it has created those major issues for Iowa. On the offensive side of the ball for the Hawkeyes, there's good news apparently on the injury front. It looks like the Hawkeyes are getting Ivory Kelly Martin, Amir Smith-Barset, and Cole Banwart all back for this game. 
Yeah, that's going to be a huge lift for Iowa. I don't know what is going to happen with Cole Banwert. You know, if he automatically inserts into the starting lineup, if he rotates, that's one position, even though Cole is the best of the of the bunch, uh, that's one position where they could uh, survive if uh, he's not available. However, uh, you know, having Amir Smith-Marset is crucial. He's the deep threat on the defense, he, or the offense. He's the guy that can stretch the field, which, you know, he, he – has yet to have a major catch like that, that, you know, other than the 45 yarder against Iowa state. So you really want to have him involved to, to kind of scare the defense. But I think the biggest impact is going to come from Ivory Kelly Martin. He's a player that uh, I don't think we've given enough uh, run to here, but uh, you know, he's, he's got very good explosiveness into the hole. He's uh, very quick. Um, you know, he's also compact at 200 pounds. So I think he's the type of player Iowa needs in this game because one thing that's been shown with, with Wisconsin is they've just got such an aggressive defense and good athletes, even now, that uh, a lot of times those holes, sh- you know, close awfully quick. And I think with somebody like Kelly Martin in there, I think he could find those holes, hit them, and uh, do something with them. Whereas in the past, Iowa just hasn't had a running back for a few years that's been able to take advantage of. I was running back by committee or committee of running backs with Torrin Young and Mackay Sargent, uh, along with Kelly Martin. You know, there's been a lot of, uh, I think, discussion among the fans, not really much among the media, about the fact that Iowa doesn't have a 100-yard-plus rusher yet this season. But those three combined are doing a really solid job back there. Last week, they ended up with 207 yards rushing, which, you know, with those two running backs and a little bit of fullback play, that's pretty decent. Yeah, that's not a problem. I mean, you know, you have those guys back there who can, you know, if they could each take a load like that, then it diminishes the, you know, the the hurt if somebody goes down. Like Ivory Kelly Martin hasn't played the last two weeks. So Makai Sargent and Torin Young have played and played well. So I don't think that that's much of a problem for Iowa to to have the you know you know to have one bell cow running back yeah it's nice but you know if, if you can have you know guys spread them out if you could have 35 carries among three backs rather than you know 35 carries among two or mostly one you know I think it helps you out as a team because it's a long season there's gonna be a lot of hits they're gonna absorb it and, and frankly if you got three decent running backs you know, that's not a bad situation to be in. And I think Iowa's at a pretty good spot right now. Nate Stanley had by far his best game of the season so far last week against UNI, more than 300 yards passing. But I think more importantly for Iowa's offensive success, they rediscovered Noah Fant and Nick Easley. That's the most important part, you know, to be able to incorporate those guys into the passing attack. You know, Nick Easley only had one catch in the first two games. He had 10. He was targeted 11 times. I mean, Noah Fant you know, he got some bruised ribs, but, you know, he's, you know, caught five passes for 99 yards, uh, cu- you know, three pretty big ones and plus a touchdown. So, you know, getting them under, you know, underway was was important. And then finally, I would I would also say that, uh, you know, Nathan Staley, you know, being 23 of 28, getting over 300 yards, that was critical for this offense. It really needed, a, you know, a good game from Staley because he'd seemed to be pressing in the first two weeks. He was aiming at his targets. His fundamentals were sloppy. And. And, uh, you know, you, you're not going to win big games with, with that kind of play at the quarterback, especially in an offense like Iowa. So, you know, I think it was good for his perspective. You know, will he, will that continue? I guess we'll find out on Saturday. 
I would go with Iowa in this one, and and because I think Iowa's offensive line right now is is playing at a high level. Um, I really like what I'm seeing out of the the tackles. I, I like the way they are in pass protection um, by and large. I, I think they're in a good spot, and I and Wisconsin normally would get that check mark, but in this case, uh, you know, they, they again they've you know they rank last in the Big Ten with only three sacks. You know, they've given up six and a half yards a carry in the fourth quarter. Those are numbers that can come back and kill you against a lot of good teams and so I and you know they have two new corners I, I think Iowa is just a little bit better there right now all right let's flip the page here look at the matchup between Iowa's defense and Wisconsin's offense and let's start on the Wisconsin side of the ball one of the best maybe the best running back in, in the country and Jonathan Taylor and a quarterback who can run hot and cold in Alex Hornibrook yeah I mean they're they're the the catalysts here I mean for you know a unit that has incredible offensive linemen but you know Jonathan Taylor you know ranks second in the country at 171 yards a game you know he had 253 against New Mexico last week he you know wasn't a great week but he had a decent week and they've got other guys that could spell him you know Taiwan Deal and a few others the question to me is you know Hornerbrook and when he's on third down he's been good this year you know he's 18 and 25 for 281 yards you know 18 of those pass 12 of those 18 passes have gone for first downs you know so I think it's really you know but he runs as you mentioned, so hot and cold. He had 15 interceptions last year. You know, as we know, you know, three of them took place in this game and two of them went for pick sixes by Iowa's former cornerback, Josh Jackson. That's really, you know, the interesting part of this. Now, on the ground, running the football, this is a traditional Wisconsin offensive line. Now they're veterans. Now they're, you know, they've got more than 100 career starts. So this is a this is going to be a very difficult unit to, to go against, play in and play out, and especially this running back. But, you know, the quarterback is, you know, he's kind of like Stanzi, or Stanley, I'm sorry. You know, very inconsistent, uh, but capable of playing at a high level. Wisconsin returned 10 of 11 players on offense, but two of those uh, starters are, uh, one is out, they're starting right guard, and the other, they're starting tight end. Newville is making the trip, but still listed as doubtful. Yeah, they've got some, uh, they've got some issues. And then, of course, Quintes Cephas, you know, is facing a trial for sexual assault. So, you know, they They've, they've had some absences and but you know that said they've got so many good players who are uh, still around there I mean they've got um, you know their tackles just this is a, a line that is so physical and veteran for the most part that uh, you know it, it's a lot of power O, and so you got to be prepared for it but you've got to do some attacking as well otherwise if you're on your heels they'll put you on roller skates awfully quick so it, it's going to be fascinating to see how Iowa's defensive line matches up against the the Badgers offensive line. It could be, uh, you know, a lot of thuds on live TV on Saturday night. I think a lot of people think that is the, if there's one key to this game, that that's the key. Iowa's defensive line, which has been just terrific against Wisconsin's offensive line. I thought I, I just highlighted defensive stats for the Hawkeyes. And just for the fun of it, I've highlighted those same defensive stats for Wisconsin's defense, even though we just talked about them in the previous segment. But Iowa is first in the Big Ten, second nationally in scoring defense, first in total defense, Wisconsin is third, and second in rushing defense, Wisconsin is eighth. You know, that tells you how good Iowa's defensive line and defense overall has been playing. You know, this is, uh, right now, you're looking at what Iowa can do. I mean, you know, giving up 40 
22 yards a game on the ground and 25 combined to the last two games. I mean, shows you that this, and that, that's, you know, especially against Iowa State, I thought that was really a, a solid, strong effort, um, you know, for this unit. And, and probably the best part for Iowa is, you know, this isn't just four guys. They can go eight or nine deep. So that really is helpful for them when they play a team like Wisconsin with such physical offensive linemen that they can rotate guys in. They're not going to get worn down completely throughout the game and other guys can come in and, and help out. So, you know, that to me, I think this is a unit that's gotten nothing but better. I think one thing it has done, though, it's been so dominant that we're really not sure what, what Iowa has at, at linebacker yet. They played, I think the last two games, they played very well, but this is a different type of game. This is a game where they're going to have to, you know, really, you know, possibly fight, fight off some guards and get to a really good physical quick back. And so I'm anxious to see how that works. Uh, you know, if I was able to to hold down a Jonathan Taylor and if the linebackers play their roles as, as well as they need to. Points to the fact that this is a year where Iowa's defense appears to be playing better than Wisconsin's. And so we'll see how that works out. To your point, the linebacker play has been surprisingly good, especially after the first half maybe of the opening game of the season. And it appears Christian Welch has, has regained his starting position at uh, weak side linebacker. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I thought Jaiman Colbert played really well in the second game against Iowa State. So maybe I was a little bit surprised to see uh, Welch reclaim that position after such a good competition throughout the, the August. But he's back, um, as well as uh, Jack Hockaday, who replaced Amani Jones after, you know, about 13 plays in the first uh, game of the year. And, and he's been playing OK as a senior. And But, you know, the guy that we don't really focus on that's playing better than everybody is Nick Neiman on the outside. And, you know, he's uh, repla- he replaced his brother. And, you know, he's really been an uh, effective outside linebacker. And he could probably play multiple spots. So he's going to be, you know, in high demand, probably have to be more in the box this week than in, in the future. Who has the edge in this matchup? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I really think this is, uh, you know, I don't know if this is the most pivotal matchup of the game, but I certainly think it's the most high profile because uh, Wisconsin's offensive line may be the best of the country. Iowa's defensive line, you know, is right there as well. So I, I'll probably give a slight edge to Wisconsin just because they're a little bit more veteran. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, yeah, it's 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 gritty. It's it's a it's a tough one. It's like if I was doing on a hundred point scale, it's fifty one forty nine. Quick look at special teams. I don't see anything really that separates either one of the special teams in terms of one team being clearly better than the other. They both have good place kickers. Wisconsin's Rafael Gaglione has been there forever as their field goal kicker, and and both teams have good punters at least so far. And that's kind of a surprising thing to say about Iowa. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the bigger surprises. You know, Colton Rastetter winning the job was a surprise, and then I think secondly, the fact that he's punted so well and you know they just allowed him to do what he does well which is rugby punt it's enabled the ball to roll it, you know and it's enabled his you know the guys to cover the the punt get down the field faster because he takes a couple extra seconds you know and now other than that first one where it got blocked and that wasn't really his fault you know the punt team has been okay and and both Miguel Racinos for Iowa and Rafael Gaglione from uh, Wisconsin have missed field goals obviously Gaglione's was much more pivotal last week but yeah and then the other parts of the game I just don't there's really not a lot separating here one doesn't have a great kicker or kick returner and the other one doesn't so I I don't know how much special teams will figure into it unless there's a uh, turnover one thing that we've been talking about now three weeks in a row is how how nice a job Kyle Gronenweg is doing at punt return 
return. Yeah, I mean, you know, his yards isn't real strong, but if we could remember back last year, um, Josh Jackson was one of the kick returners, and same thing with uh, Matt Vandenberg on the punt team. And too often they would let the ball go. Would that happen? I mean, in this game in particular, I mean, Iowa started every series but one from the 25 and in, and some of that was because of punt issues, letting the ball go. You know, and at least if nothing else, Gronenweg is catching the ball, and then he's also doing something with it, you know, and I think that's always a, a critical component, but I do think he's got a chance to, you know, you know, again, if, if you can return it eight, nine, ten yards, that's one less first down your, your team has to achieve, and I think mm-hmm. that makes it a, a critical responsibility. Quick look back at the Big Ten last week. It was uh, close to an unmitigated disaster. I think one of the worst, if not the worst, single day in terms of non-conference play. This week, um, some of the games are interesting. Uh, Purdue, I find the Purdue situation fascinating because Boston College comes in there this week. Their games have been played at home, and they run the risk of being 0-4. Yeah, I know. This is, that's probably, a, you know, that is a really good game, even though you got a 3-0 versus an 0-3. I don't think Purdue's that bad. I don't know if Boston College is that good. Um, I think Boston College is good, actually, but I'm fascinated by that game. As you mentioned last week, I mean, the, the losses just are staggering to, to group of five programs and places where you never expected. I mean, Northwestern giving up a 21 to three lead and then falling apart to Akron and Kansas blowing out Rutgers, just, uh, you know, a disastrous week. But there's a couple of games that piqued my interest here this week. Obviously, the one we're covering is the biggest one. But, you know, Michigan State at Indiana. I mean, Indiana is quietly a three and O team has played really well. You know, this is a, you know, a, a decent uh, move for this program. And then Michigan State lost its last game, didn't play real well in its opener against Utah State, just about got beat. So I'm curious to see who kind of takes charge in that game. I think it could go either way. And then, of course, the game, you know, Iowa-Wisconsin, I think, is sets the course for the West Division for the rest of the season. The other game, I can't help but bring this up because of the fan base out there, but Nebraska travels to Michigan. Nebraska has a six-game losing streak and a four-game losing streak in the Big Ten and, and you know, losing to Troy last week. Yikes. And my guess is that losing streak is going to go to seven. I think it goes to seven. I watched the most of that game, and I, I watched the week before against Colorado as much as I could. And, and really, I don't think they're that far away from being a good team, but they've got it, – it's like it's very close, but it's also very far. And you know, it's a couple plays here, a couple plays there. You know, their quarterback wasn't in last week. Troy outplayed them. And Troy won, but you know I, I think this is a team that's going to get better. Now they have the longest losing streak of any team in the Big Ten, and tied for that within the conference with uh, you know with Maryland and Rutgers. So I guess the three additions have not been super you know in, in the league play lately. But I think they lose this game probably decisively. But I you know the following week they got Purdue, and I kind of I'm kind of curious as to what happens there at at uh, Lincoln when they play. Back to Iowa, Wisconsin. I'm sure the coaches don't want to ever have this talk going on, certainly not for their team, but they know that in all likelihood, the winner of this game becomes the odds-on favorite to win the Big Ten West and and play in Indianapolis for the Big Ten title. What's your prediction here? I think this is a game where it could go either way. I like the way Iowa's played thus far, you know, and I think what told me that this is a pretty good team is what happened against Iowa State, the way they shut down, you know, David Montgomery. Now, 
now I'll say this, Iowa State's offensive line is nowhere near as good as Wisconsin. So that's that's a big factor. However, Iowa was still able to do it, you know, a better receiving core, slow it down. So I guess I'm going to tilt towards the Hawkeyes. I think this environment, uh, Saturday night, it's crazy. It's going to be crazy all day and all night, very festive. This is a game that they've worked on all offseason, prepared for the 3-4, 4-3, everything that they've done, they've focused on. So I think this is going to be Iowa's game, 17-13, Hawkeyes on Saturday night at Kinnick Stadium. That is good news. That is good news. And so Iowa is going to improve to 3-0, and what a tune-up for the Hawkeyes who get another home game next week against now no longer unbeaten Wisconsin. They needed this going into that Wisconsin game next week that the offensive side of football and the way they were clicking tonight will really help their confidence going into next week. 547 yards of total offense for Iowa. That ought to please the Hawkeyes going into Big Ten play. Again, Iowa defeats Northern Iowa 38 to 14. Our thanks again to BTN for the Iowa UNI game highlights, and thanks as always to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this program. All Hawkeyes Mike podcasts are available and can be subscribed to on iTunes, Overcast, and other podcasting apps. HawkeyesMike.com, podcasting original programming on Iowa athletics for 12 seasons. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.